I totally got your cough. Oh. <laughs> I totally got your cough. I can see on the audio there's this big old peak where you cleared your throat and it, and I've hit record. My bad. And it wasn't even like a cough. Like I didn't even loudly clear my throat. I did a very small clearing of my throat and yet it's so loud. What the heck? that and um it says on it kick which means that the audio has peaked so for whatever reason uh the this recording program really did not approve your throat clearing like excuse me <laughs> to do that right in my ears but you um, know what I feel like this would not be betty squared without some kind of random start to this show it's been a bit since we've like We've been pretty good about the starts lately, so we we have been. We've, it's it's been you know. Hi, I'm Jess. Hi, I'm Heidi. This is Betty Squared, and then we just start. But here we are, up to our old tricks again. Yeah, it was due time, really. It it was. We were we were due for a uh, a not good start. <laughs> yes, a unique start. I have forgotten to speak. English. <laughs> so more to the not good start. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. But as we said, this is Betty Squared. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Heidi. And thank you for joining us for yet uh, another look back at season one, whilst we're patiently awaiting the arrival of season three, mm-hmm. which uh, comes out October 10th, so not too long. Now yeah. another what eight and a half weeks yes i did i did a countdown the other day because the start of riverdale it it coincides with another big thing happening in my life um Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, but i can't remember what the count was anymore well, maybe we can uh, maybe we can look into doing some kind of official countdown, especially the last month, uh, on our Facebook page to help get everybody psyched for the show coming back. Because I really do think this is going to be an amazing third season. I think we're going to see a little bit of like the return to the traditional values, like what we're seeing in season one. But then I also think we're going to see some pretty intense, crazy stuff happening courtesy of Hiram Lodge. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so curious to see what it brings us. Yeah. We, we posted yesterday on iTunes and Podomatic, our little, mini-sode of Betty Squared, which we're calling the B-side. That was a short little 10-minute kind of review of the trailer for season three and some theories and ideas of where we think the season three is going into. So if you haven't listened to that, uh, be sure to check it out. Like I said, it only goes for about nine and a half minutes. So listen to it on your commute to work in the car or on public transport, depending where you live. Yeah, it's a quick little one. Exactly. I forget that I'm in Florida, but we started this podcast in New York because I made that comment about on your drive to work, and then I just remembered that no one in New York drives. No, I don't, yeah. So. Right. It's it's so crazy, though, because uh, when I did move here, obviously the first thing we had to do was buy a car because there's just no way of getting around. Uh, that being said, I know two people right now who are attempting to use public transport in Florida, Ooh. and 
also like using Ubers and Lyfts and uh, rides from friends and things, but I don't know how they do it. It's everything's so laid out here and nothing is close. And it's, it's gone back to sort of how I felt living in Australia where we, you know, we've got um, a growing public transport system. It's semi-adequate. It's not amazing, especially if you live in the suburbs, but if you live in the city, you're set. Yeah. You know, they're slowly, slowly, they're opening more stations and they're, you know, having things come more frequently, but you do really need a car. It's very difficult, especially if you live in the suburbs to get around. So it's kind of like me moving to Florida. I've reverted back to that. Yeah, I totally. I can't even tell you where the closest bus stop was. Um, I'm pretty sure there's no train here. I feel like there's an Amtrak station, but I don't know. Yeah, so, but that's not like a train, like a subway, what we're used to kind of. Exactly. I couldn't walk out of my door, uh, walk two blocks and be at a bus stop or a train station or the subway or whatever. Yeah. I would have to drive like 30 minutes downtown to the Amtrak. So, yeah, it's it's crazy how much you sort of adjust without even realizing. And then you catch yourself when you make a comment about listen to Buddy Squared when you drive to work because <laughs> – when you commute. Yeah, when we start. Exactly. We were commuting to work. But nevertheless, here we are. Listen to it on whatever journey you take to get to work. And if you don't go to work, just listen to us. So, yay. Yeah. Everyone wins. <laughs> I think so. Today, exactly. Today we're looking, uh, we're taking a look at Chapter 7 in a Lonely Place. And I have gotten into this routine now because – We've commented so many times about how they'll use famous movie titles or uh, they'll pay tribute to, you know, classic cinema. I've gotten into a habit when we when we sit down to re-watch this episode and, and write our notes, et cetera, of just going on IMDb and looking up the movie that it's either based on or referencing. So In a Lonely Place mm-hmm. is... A nineteen, a film that came out in nineteen fifty. It's a film noir, starring Humphrey Bogart, and it's about a potentially violent screenwriter who is suspected in murder until his neighbor clears him. But then, soon after, she starts having doubts about his innocence. Dun dun dun. Yeah, I, I looked that up too. Um, it has a ninety-seven on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I beg your pardon. It has a ninety-seven. Is that what you said? Yeah, it has a ninety-seven on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying it came out in ninety-seven, and I'm like, no, pretty sure Humphrey Bogart was in the fifties, but sure, <laughs> it has a ninety-seven percent. You know what? When I when I was reading the synopsis, I didn't have the opportunity to watch the trailer, but it looked really freaking good. Um, the premise obviously attracted me. The fact that Humphrey Bogart is in it is just an added bonus. So I don't know. Maybe I'll have to watch that. I I am off today. Oh, maybe this is how I spend my day off. Yeah. Watching uh, watching Mr. Bogart. <laughs> I'm sure that's uh, that's going to be a good time. Yeah, definitely. But it definitely makes sense, the, the title to the uh, situation we have in this episode. It directly happens for Jughead. He gets his name cleared by Fred Andrews. Right, exactly. Um, which obviously, you know, 
we as the audience know that Jug has has nothing to do with it or if we don't at this point, if we were watching it for the first time, we know obviously in the future that his name is going to be cleared because he's innocent and we all know who really did kill Jason. Um, But interesting how Fred would, you know, give him that alibi. Mm -hmm. That speaks of how awesome Fred is because I keep writing that in my notes. Like he's just so sweet and people are just so awful to him and he always loses but he's a good guy. Yeah, that's totally true. He is a really good guy. And I was thinking about, I was like, where was Jughead? Like, he doesn't really, unless I missed it, say where he was. But, I mean, it was the summer. He probably was just at Pops or at the movie, uh, the outdoor movie theater. Um, I think he's more alluding to the fact that, yeah, he was kind of squatting either at the school or the, the drive-in theater before it was closed, and he yeah. didn't have an alibi. Yeah. But I think, you know, Fred obviously knows that history with, with FP and the fact that Jughead and uh, FP at this point in, in the season are not sort of in a great place. So I think FP's just – I beg your pardon, Fred's just given – Jughead, the the alibi in this situation, but yeah, totally I think assumed where he is. Yeah, and him actually being somewhere of significance. Yeah, yeah, it was just a thing I thought of. I really, um, I really love this episode. I think this episode is probably going to be at the top of my my list when uh, we make our little uh, favorite, least favorite list. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. I wrote a lot of notes and at the end I was like, oh, and then I actually went back and rewatched it again because I was like, hang on, maybe I was just, you know, when you really are looking for things, because obviously we're watching this in hindsight, we're looking for little little things that, you know, allude to what's going to happen. So when I wrote the amount of notes that I did, I was like, oh, perhaps I'm overanalyzing it. Let me go back, watch it objectively, and then, you know, reconfirm or edit my notes. And, yeah, if anything, the second time around, I added more. (laughs) Yeah, I can definitely see that happening, yeah. Yeah, this episode was really good. Yeah, Uh, it's a great episode. Nothing, you know, like, oh, my God, this is so revolutionary and this moves the plot forward so much but just a lot of really important information a lot of like background development and that just for me made a really great episode and there's just also a lot of really good I love good character stuff like I'm more drawn plot heavy things are fine but I'm more drawn to character focused things whether it be like television theater or movies um i if you give me a really good character, I'm going to be invested. And seeing this one was just totally Jughead centric. Like we start with Jughead. We kind of go through the whole episode with him, even though we're seeing other things as well, but it's mostly Jughead centric. Um, And you really get to see Cole really like get into it. Like I just think he does so well with portraying a child of an alcoholic And all of those scenes are so good. How much he wants to be there with his dad. He loves his dad. He wants to be there for him and with him, but it's just so incredibly difficult. And you see it all the time, even to the last moment with when he gets out of, I'm jumping ahead, but um, when he gets out of um, wherever they're holding him, if they were holding him in jail or just the 
police department. Um, and FP comes and it's, he has to make a choice of like staying with Fred and Archie are going with FP again. He doesn't hesitate. He's like, I'm going with you, dad. And Completely. FP has to be the one who says, no, you got to give me space. You shouldn't come with me right now. Go stay with them. Like all that stuff. Um, and it's just so sweet. <laughs> yeah, I agree on that. You know, it's even that moment as well after Fred and FP and Archie and Jughead go to Pops and, you know, FP drinks too much because obviously he's battling with uh, alcoholism and there's a lot of rage there because of the um, the, ba- the background between um, Fred and himself. Mm-hmm. But it, there was a really tender moment for me, like a really great acting moment, which, you know, we often talk about how great Lily's acting is, uh, but it was nice to be able to have a look at, at, at Cole in this moment where... He gets Effie home. Mm-hmm. He's chatting to him. He's trying to, you know, be really optimistic about their future. And he's pulling his dad's shoes off. And then he's like pouring his heart out, or at least starting to pour his heart out. And he looks over and Effie's fallen asleep. There was this moment where, you know, he picks up his bag and he sort of, he goes to leave and walk out the door. And he just kind of looks at his dad. And that look for me, said everything if that scene had been totally silent that one moment of beautiful acting gave me everything I needed yeah totally I totally agree yeah Yeah. I do um I want to sort of go back and start at the beginning of the episode yeah just talk about how much I freaking love the opening uh scene of this Mm. episode yeah you know, the little, again, I, I'll often reference the little tributes to the the comics and things like that, but it was done in such a perfect way that it was this lovely hybrid of the comics and the TV show. You know, it was that, that campness that the comics had and the picture-perfect everything and, you know, Jughead being accepted into the family. And then you have Archie walk back with, walk in with this knife in his back and suddenly Jughead's in present TV world with FP struggling with his alcoholism. I just, I really liked it. I really liked how they set that up. I really liked how they paid tribute. Two things I did not like in that scene. You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh because. (laughs) I already know one of them. What do you guess? Guess what it is. And then I want to be like, yeah. Is it Polly's wig? Yes. Oh my God. It was the worst. (laughs) You look at. you know, you look at what they've done with, like, Lily, and she's beautiful, and it's her hair, and it's gorgeous. And yeah. for whatever reason, they've given Polly that awful synthetic wig. Now, I get it. Like, she's got really long hair normally. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they can't do a style like that. But, oh, they could have done so much better. They could have given her a better wig and not fueled the fact that, I already don't like her, so I'm looking for her to fail. Yeah, the wig was a weird choice. I don't really, I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't get it. it. It even looked synthetic. You know, you've got, you've, you've got everybody with their natural hair. Now, granted, they did give 
Veronica Bangs, which I absolutely hated with a passion. I also thought that looked really bad. But why give just to her the wig and such a bad one mm-hmm. and make it so shiny, plastic, synthetic yuckness? Why not, you know, yeah. give, her, give her just something? I can't believe I'm defending her in this, but you know what I mean. Uh- I yeah, I love that scene too, and her wig was awful. Um, everyone else looked great, but I loved that scene because it was like yeah, in this in this iteration of um, Archie, the world of Riverdale and all that stuff. This is looking at that. That's Jughead's nightmare. Like that is one hundred percent his nightmare. Um, Absolutely, because I don't think it starts with it being a nightmare with. Archie, the whole thing, the whole idea of it, with Betty with the big ring on her finger and, like, all that stuff. Yeah, you see the look on his face and he's like, oh, my God. Like, he's like, what is happening? And then Hal's all like, carve this turkey. And he's like, okay. And then the knife disappears and goes straight into Archie's back, which is kind of And I, I actually wondered, and perhaps I misinterpreted this for whatever reason, but I wondered if that reference to the knife in the back was in regards to coming clean about his relationship with Betty. Oh, 100%. That's what I, that's what I thought it was for sure. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought too. And then in a moment of delirium, because again, I'm working like 60 hours a week, I was like, maybe I misinterpreted that. It's okay. Heidi will correct me. (laughs) No, I agree. I mean, I don't know what else it could really reference. It's the only thing that Jughead could have like really done to wrong Archie would be that he's he's started to have feelings for Betty and that they may be pursuing a relationship of some sort. Um, yeah. And it's also, it's interesting because I hadn't really put much thought into it the first few times that I watched the show, but this time when, when uh, Archie finds... Jughead that he's staying in the school and then Jughead's like don't tell Betty KJ does have like a really good reaction to it that I hadn't taken notice to before he's like why would Betty care and then later you see him putting the pieces together as like their relationship becomes more known um and I thought that was nice I think that's realistic I don't think where where Archie is now he has no right to be mad at anyone for being together. He's not with Betty. He's made it abundantly clear that he doesn't want to be with her right now. Um, So he, he, and he knows that, that he can't be upset about it. Um, So I thought it was all pretty, pretty good. Genuine. I liked, I liked it. Yeah. And that's what I wrote on my notes as well. I had actually forgotten that I sort of had forgotten the timeline of everything unfolding. Mm -hmm. And I forgot that, uh, Betty and Jughead get together quite quickly mm-hmm. and before Archie and Veronica, even though, you know, that is alluded to as well in those first couple of episodes. But what I do like is that uh, Archie has such a calm response to it. He's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, like you said, he made that comment about like, why would Betty care? And then later he's like, I don't mind if you guys – want to be together and then he like immediately changed the subject and he's on to the next thing because it's not a big deal for him in this moment yeah yeah and there's bigger fish to fry there's bigger things to deal with right now 
Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I really like that. And I mean, sure, it would have made for interesting television and, again, sort of connected with the comics if Archie hadn't been okay with that. But then I don't think we would have the storyline that we're moving into. It would literally be about this back and forth of, no, I don't want you to be with her, but I don't want to be with her, but I love her, but I don't love her like that. And mm-hmm. I think that would got would have gotten very tired very quickly. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Did you notice the comment that Betty made in regards to Polly's escape from the Sisters of Quiet Mercy and, like, what her parents said about the whole thing? The comment? Uh, Do you know what about? Go ahead and say it. I don't think I know. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, this struck me because you and I are always like, hey, so these people just keep – escaping from the Sisters of Quiet Mercy and they're not doing anything about it. They're just like, okay, bye, she's gone. And then they find her and then like, that's it. She doesn't go back or whatever. I noticed in this episode that Betty, when she's talking to, um, to everybody in the, like, you know, the, the, um, like lounge area at the school, Mm -hmm. um, that Betty says, mom and dad said we're not going to involve the police, that we're just going to quietly go and look for Polly ourselves. Yes, yes, I did notice that. Yeah, and I don't think I noticed that the first time round, and I'm wondering if that was the cover because, like I said, you and I are always like, why do these people escape and then they just don't do anything about it? Mm-hmm. I wonder if, like, when Cheryl escapes later on in season two, if there's also some kind of comment to cover why the sisters of quiet mercy are just like, then what are Yeah. It was, it was a nice little cover, but I, it went unnoticed for me when I first watched season one. Yeah. It's interesting. It's not a big, it's, it's definitely one of those breeze over, things and that tends to happen a lot when it's a scene that's in the school like in that little common area that they sit in a lot of the scenes for me are pretty non like plussed not like not necessarily an important thing happens or a thing happens where it's like you're gonna easily breeze past this because they they want the people in the room to do it and they want you to do it too kind of thing yeah exactly it was um yeah no it was just an interesting little thing that I noticed that I guess, you know, confirms for me why they're not running after all these escaped people. But also, in what reality would that ever work? She was admitted against her will, which means that she's, I know like with, you know, mental health facilities, if you you check yourself in, then you can check yourself out, you know, provided you're not going to self-harm or whatever. But if you are admitted against your will and you escape, you're going straight back in. Like there's nothing anyone can say that says that, you know, allows you to stay out and just go on continuing your life. Like nothing ever happened. Yeah. It's weird. It's all weird. It is. But I mean, I know we say that about Riverdale all the time. It doesn't mean I'm not going to, you know, watch the next episode or anything. It's just, just one of those things where I'm like, I love this show, but yeah, let's let's try and stick to reality. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, not be faced too much by reality. 
Exactly. One or the other. You're either going to go completely legit or completely not. But I think Riverdale does do a good job of kind of doing a bit of a balancing act between the two. But there's just some times where I'm like, mm, I'm not sure if I buy that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Oh, goodness. Um, I have to share with you the next note that's on my list because mm-hmm. I can't remember what I wrote this in regards to. And it's really funny. It literally says in big capital letters, God, Sheriff Keller is so hot with like a thousand exclamation marks. <laughs> uh, I have no idea why I wrote that. I'd also had a couple true. of glasses of wine at point. So there you go. Perhaps that's- I was I was tapping into some um, <laughs> unrequited love for Sheriff Keller. That's so funny. He he is though. It's not you're not wrong. <laughs> it, it's funny though because like he just kind of he's not great at his job, you know, but we're not we're not guided in the sense to think of him as a bad person or anything like that. No. It, it's just funny because he's he's not really that good at his job. Yeah. He's yeah. He's not. <laughs> uh. Apparently last night when I was rewatching the episode for the second time, I felt the need to comment on how incredibly hot he is. I think it might be in the scene where uh, Penelope is talking to Sheriff Keller at the hospital. Uh, not Spaggy, pardon, um, not the hospital, the station, and is like, you know, what did you get from the car? Who did this? You need to find out. And then Cheryl just kind of casually strolls in and She's like, I have all the answers. Hi. <laughs> exactly. I think there must have been a moment in that where I was like, damn, he's fun. Yeah. And you're not wrong, you know? <laughs> oh, goodness me. Um, I had a note about Cheryl just to connect. Once I, And I think this is true. We're kind of seeing her in every episode before this, she's kind of the bad guy, except for the moments where she's grieving Jason. Um, we see, we've seen from her so far that like she isn't great to you if you aren't someone she loves. Like if you aren't a person she cares about, then she doesn't care about you at all. She's all or nothing kind yeah. of gal. Which, yeah. I, you know, I, I get that. <laughs> it's great. Um, but I just really love her like genuine actual change of heart when she finds out about Polly uh, being pregnant. She is so she's like she just drops it all. She's like, okay, this is what she knows what matters. Like she totally gets what matters. She cares about her family, which is Jason, and because like her parents don't really count. Um, and she is all or nothing for Jason and Jason's kid future kids um and i love that and i'm really sad because now in retrospect i've realized that we've never seen a scene with cheryl and the twins are you oh yeah i was about to say sure and then i'm like wait no you're spot on we haven't we've only ever seen them in the cooper's house and she's never been there to like with polly right yeah huh so that's an issue to me. There's a lot of issues <laughs> that I have with this show, uh, continuity-wise, of like what people care about. Like in this episode, there's so much of Betty 
caring about her relationship with Polly and and stressing how important it is for her to have Polly in her life um, and how she doesn't want to lose her and all this stuff. And later on, that's totally out the window. Like, go ahead, drive off to San Francisco, move up to the farm, whatever. I don't care. Bye. Um, and Cheryl really caring about being a part of the kids, uh, her like future niece and nephew being a part of their lives but then it totally doesn't matter in season two. <laughs> like, I don't love that. Yeah. It's um, like I said, you know, Riverdale has this fine line of uh, reality and TV world. And sometimes they go a little too much one way and not enough of the other. And it kind of throws that balance that you're talking about. Yeah. But here we are doing a podcast because we love it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I think it also has to do with um, having a plan for a show. Like if a showrunner, if like the person who created the show and whatever has a plan for a show, there's less continuity issues. Like if they know like season one's going to do this so we can get to season two doing this, which will get to us doing season three like this, et cetera, et cetera. And they like know where the story goes. Um, yeah. There's less of that. Uh, so that, but that's fine. You can also have TV shows where you're like, and this week we're going to focus on bad, like all that stuff as well. But it's just interesting to notice. Um, and it makes me a little sad. I'm just like, I would love to see Cheryl with the babies. It'd be so cute. I, I think it would be awkward. I think she would be like loving on them and like be so excited, but I feel like she would just be so awkward holding a baby. She might be. I don't know. I, we we would need to see it. So come on. <laughs> especially yeah. especially if they're going to be in season three a lot with the farm stuff and all that business. Like if we don't get Cheryl in on this, I don't know what we're doing, to be fair. Perhaps Betty will enlist Cheryl's help of getting yes. the babies away from uh, Alice and Polly. And do you know what I just remembered? Oh, God, I just remembered Betty's face when Polly tells her what the baby's names are. <laughs> yes. Yep. I know, does Cheryl know? She's got to make a comment on it when she's encountered with the babies in real life. I need it in my life. I just feel like Cheryl's going to give them nicknames. So let's think about it. It's Juniper. So she'll probably call the baby Juju. And sure. Dagwood? Oh, that's a little... Harder Dag. nickname. Dag? No, because a dag is a poo that hangs out of a sheep's bum. What? You what you are the only person who knows these things. No! Do you know who told me? My mom told me that. A dag. Like the in Australia, like you'll sometimes like if somebody's acting like really dorky or um being just like, you know, like a mom joke or a dad joke, a common like comment would be oh you're such a dag but in actual fact a dag is a poo that hangs on the fur around a sheep's butt <laughs> why is it specifically a sheep i don't know okay you know what i'm gonna google this and it's your fault if i see gross pictures but <laughs> definition of dag 
Oops, no, wrote daft. That <laughs> of daft. Dag. Okay, so the Australian informal is unfashionably or socially conservative person, which is fine. Oh, this is so funny. It doesn't actually say about a sheep's butt. Oh, yeah, here it does. But it says for the origin, this is so funny, origin, late Middle English in the sense of, and this is in, like, quotation marks, a hanging part of something. I'm like, oh, that makes me feel sick. (laughs) Here it is. It's on Urban Dictionary. Okay, it is an Australian slang term. A dag is technically the matted wool on a sheep's tail, but in typical usage throughout Australia, it refers to people who don't have neat, tidy, or a cultured appearance. It can also refer to a person who tends to be quite informal. It's not necessarily a derogatory term in modern usage. Okay, so I just added the bit about poo. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I maybe in just your mom's circle that's what they that's what that meant for them. But also, if you think about it, if it's the matted wool on a sheep's tail, a sheep's tail is only little. It's going to be right next to the bum, so there's just going to be poo in there by default. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking, like, that happens to a lot of animals. <laughs> like, why specifically a sheep? Aren't you so I don't know. excited to be associated with me? Don't you just love my education of Australian culture and all these words that you're just like, no, stop saying them? It's always interesting. <laughs> I'll say that for sure. Yeah, I mean, oh man, I've lived here for such a long time now that I will say comments and people kind of look at me and I'm like, what? They're like, what does that mean? And, you know, it's still very much like my Australian culture that I didn't even realize was Australian culture until I moved here and no one knew what the hell I was talking about. Sure. So, yeah. Just when I think I've been here so long that all of that is gone, it pops up again. It'll never be gone. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's who I am and it's what I love. But, yeah, it's weird because especially, like, when I first moved here with all the slang words that we use in Australia, I just assumed that everybody used those words. And, you know, some I knew were typically Australian. But then when I got here and people didn't, quite understand exactly what I was saying. I was like, oh, this must be something that's specific to Australian. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, we digress. <laughs> no, As more, always. no more talking about sheep's poo. <laughs> Please no. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, she could also oh. call the baby like DD or something like that. Oh, or like D Wood. No, no, but don't, I really hope not <laughs> would pick like, would, would, uh, go with that though. What? I feel like in Cheryl's kind of mannerisms and the way that she speaks, I feel like she could pull off something by like being like, I'm going to take Juju and D wood to the park. And like, it, no. would, it would work for her. Her saying D wood sounds like she's giving him like a DJ rapper name. That's what I mean. I feel like that's something that she would do. I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's weird. Though her nicknames have been have just been the first initial of each person she loves names. JJ and TT. 
Okay, so would it be Juju and Dee Dee? Yeah. Okay. I think so. All right, we need to see this episode happen. Exactly. I know, I just need to see her yeah. with these babies ASAP. Because yeah. as a new aunt, like I am newly aunted, I don't know, I don't know what the <laughs> word for this is. My sister had a baby. Um, I'm obsessed with that baby. And like, I just can't imagine my de- like if my sister, for whatever, God forbid, you know, if something happened or whatever, and I would be even more obsessed with those babies. <laughs> like, <laughs> just seems silly. Well, I just want to say to all the Riverdale executives and writers, mm-hmm. uh, we- I know they listen. Exactly. <laughs> You're listening to Betty Squared. We would like to see this episode in which Cheryl is either rescuing the babies or has the baby in her possession and references them as Dee Dee and Juju. We have named it uh, Copyright um, Betty Squared. Yeah. Dee Dee and Juju are actually really cute, so I'm not mad anymore about their names. Better than their real names. My God. Yeah. Like, I feel like Lily wasn't really acting in that moment. I feel like she was genuinely like, what the hell, Polly? Why'd you name these children the most awkward names? On the yeah, f- just like the worst names ever. And apologies um, if we have Junipers or Dagwoods listening, but your parents were cool. That's me. Yeah, your parents really need to work on their own stuff. It's nothing to do with you. It's their fault. Yeah. Um, your um people and we thank you for listening yeah um it was interesting in this episode to see how early on or no it was last episode oh we didn't talk about it uh, I, i'm thinking of the recap um just how early on polly is talking about the farm or was it this episode i'm confused good no, yeah okay. she, when um when betty finds her in the attic in the attic okay yeah 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 so oh, she, yeah, there was this farm, and I still really want to go there. So I'm so curious if we're ever going to see how she learned of this farm. Was this Jason's idea? Uh, I'm so curious. I just want to know everything about the farm. I want to know everything about the cult. I can't wait for season three. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if we're going to see any like flashbacks with her and Jason planning this because we don't know about Jason. We don't no, really- we don't. If he was a good guy or a bad guy, we don't know what he liked, what he didn't like. We only know what everyone else says about him. Exactly. So it'll be really cool if they recap that. And who knows, maybe the actor that they have in as Jason might finally get a line. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And we haven't seen him in so long. It'd be interesting for him to come back. He wasn't in season two at all. Well, no, that's because everything's obviously wrapped up with season one and he's murder. So it's kind of like, you know, he gets put to rest. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to more Jason. No, I wouldn't. I'd, I would be interested in that for sure. To just specifically see like the origin of why we're going to be like dealing with the farm so much. I'm curious about that. Yeah. And just on, um, you know, uh, Betty finding Polly in the attic how creepy was that attic? Like it had, it was kind of like a caricature of a creepy yeah. attic. Like they so did that on purpose. And I, I, it was so over the top. Once we got to the, like, so it's like creepy dolls, creepy dollhouse, spider webs, creepy mirror, wedding dress on a mannequin. 
Right. Like, am I led to believe that the Alice Cooper who has enough bleach products on hand to clean up her house after a murder Yeah, is going to leave her attic looking like that, let alone her wedding dress? I'm assuming it's hers. I'm assuming it's hers, or if it's not hers, it's like grand, like a grandmother's, which you don't preserve like that. That's not how you keep a wedding dress. That's going to be moth-eaten and yellowed and totally gross. Exactly, and I know the Alice Cooper that we have been introduced to, you know she has had that skin cleaned in a bag. It's hanging up in a cupboard that is only for that dress. Yeah, especially because since she has two daughters, there's no way if she, I mean, my mom rented her wedding dress. So like not all women buy their wedding dresses, but, um, but with Alice, if she still has her wedding dress, there's no way she's not going to try and force it on Polly or Betty when they do, if any point, get married. Right. Yeah. Like, but you should wear this. You look so beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Creepy uh, addicts. One one thing that I faulted with this episode, and it has I've seen it in other episodes, and perhaps they were just a major sponsor of season one. Yep. Yep. Know? Yeah. 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 You know what I'm gonna say? <laughs> the product placement. <laughs> it really bums me out, and I get that it's a new season and they wanted, you know, they, they were obviously doing the product placement um, because CoverGirls obviously paid a bazillion and one dollars to have their products in this show. And who knows, you know, they, they didn't know how successful Riverdale was going to be uh, until season one finished. But I hate this product placement. It's so, it's just like so in the forefront it's so obvious and that's this whole this whole first season it was like kind of a, it's kind of a thing i love about the first season in a weird way because it's so poorly done and it's so not subtle it's just like yes cover girl is our bitch or we are their bitch i guess um yeah, cover girl's bitch yeah the amount of screen time <laughs> that that contact that- got like a couple of episodes earlier it was the mascara like as somebody who works on that side of film and you know when it comes to editing they're buying they must have paid an exorbitant amount of money or vice versa I don't know who paid who for this product placement but that is a lot of screen time like that's a couple of screen time and that's expensive stuff that's like get you into SAG kind of screen time. Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's hilarious because, you know, we're literally talking about like a couple of seconds, but it is in the grand scheme. No, but it's a lot. That's a lot. But I, I wrote on my notes, I'm like, I hate all this product placement for CoverGirl, but at the same time, I want to rush out and buy every CoverGirl item. Oh, I don't, but <laughs> okay. I mean, I also remember with season one, one of the first things I saw that had to do with Riverdale before I watched the show was, I didn't watch the clip of it, but I saw, it was like recommended to me on um, like my YouTube, and it was a video of um, Camilla becoming um, Veronica and like how they do her makeup and stuff like that. Um, So they were doing, and I think there was one for Lily too, where they like 
transformed. It's not too much of a transformation, but did their makeup for what they would do for uh, Betty and Veronica. And I totally remember that. It's such like a staple of the first season. And And it's corny and it's stupid, but I love it for some stupid reason. I know it's oh, oh Riverdale you torment us so but we still love you yeah it's so silly I just um, not talk about it because it was so obvious yeah no it was so obvious when it happened I was like oh that's this episode <laughs> like I remember it specifically uh so funny yeah. um another thing that I loved about like Jughead and FP and like their whole thing this episode because that was my favorite. I loved all of that stuff so much. Um, I loved when they were in the like in the garage and um and FP isn't there and it's just Archie and Jughead are speaking and they hear FP coming back and uh, Jughead takes his flask and he hides it. That was like. A moment. That's if you are a child of an alcoholic, you've done that so many times. It's just mm. like so honest, so real. It took me a minute. I had to actually, I was kind of like half distracted uh, when I was watching the episode, especially for the first time. And I saw him do that. And then I was like, hang on, wait, what was that? And I had to put it back to watch it. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I haven't been in that situation myself, but. I could certainly, um, I could certainly sympathize with anybody that had been in that situation. Yeah, no, it's so. I remember the first time I watched it, seeing that, and this whole episode. I'm an I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. Hi, welcome. Um, but it's just, it's everything about this episode totally tracks the the way that you feel torn, the way that you love them but also hate them, and like, and how yeah. you try to. S- influence them like when his dad and they're in the garage and he's like oh, I could go with a beer and and Doug has just kind of like dad like no like uh, just the all of it so good it's so good yeah all very good stuff the I had two other notes in regards to this episode um and the first one alludes to the music in this episode uh, I know it's something that we have spoken about every now and again, but not really focused on. Um, mm-hmm. This episode and many of the episodes before and after have just the most phenomenal music choices. Yeah. I don't know who's making these choices, but they are bang on. Um, I know there's loads of different playlists that you can get on Spotify for Riverdale. Like, for example, you know, you can get their actual official soundtracks for season one and season two that have been, you know, officially launched and released. But then mm-hmm. so many amazing like fan uh, Riverdale playlists where fans of the show have gone through each of the episodes and grabbed all of these really unique recordings of old school songs and compiled a playlist. And I just love them. I love them. I think they're always appro- uh, appropriate and really enhance the episodes that we're seeing. I yeah. I just wanted to sort of be like, yeah, you guys, you're doing the right thing. <laughs> um, but my, my last note that I have on my list is a comment again about how much the kids rule this city and the parents are just along for the ride. 
you know when um, Betty and Jughead decide they're going to search the woods for Polly and, you know, look for clues and maybe see where she's gone? Mm-hmm. Did you notice in that scene that uh, Betty and Jughead are kind of being like, okay, this is where she might have gone. She might have gone here. She might have gone there. They're like instructing the search party. And then the camera cuts to the, the people that she's talking to. And there's Hal and Alice just listening to these two kids give instructions. Yep. And then they just follow along. Yep. <laughs> As always. It's such an interesting choice. But I just love, 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 love that these kids rule this town. Even, you know, when Veronica has all those issues with her mom and then rebels and then they sit down and they have like an adult conversation about it. I know if I had pulled any of that stuff when I was a kid, my mom probably would have locked me in a closet for a year. Yeah. And there would have been no discussion. Yeah. I It's so it's so much of that thing that these the people who are writing these shows um these teen dramas and things like that are adults they're not they're not kids and they're probably very far away from that age and feeling what that felt like or how it or what that like actually is like so they fill the show with all of this adult content and just don't know how to actually write for teenagers um or what those situation and power dynamics are like a real struggle that I think some teen dramas do talk about, but not this one, is that a lot of the times adults don't trust you. Adults don't um, don't talk to you, don't listen to you, um, and that that is a real real struggle of like adolescence. Um, but you know, none of that matters in Riverdale, and these kids are living their own lives and doing the best work they can. So like, whatever. I know. It's just hilarious and I love it. And I couldn't not comment on it just because it's something that's so not real. Well, certainly not in my reality. No, totally. Totally. Yeah. Did you have any other notes that you wanted to bring up before we start to wrap things up? One last thing about Cole's acting and stuff like that. Um, I loved the moment where he says to his, to FP, he says, don't make things worse, please. Just like that acting moment is so beautiful. He's on the like brink of like screaming and tears and he's holding it all in and you can see it all right under under the surface, but he doesn't give it to you. Yeah. And I love that. Uh, And then I really also loved in that same scene, where his dad's, where he, after he says, um, like, that he wants to go with his dad, and his dad is like, no, like, I need time, you got to give me a month, maybe two months, um, and I got to work this out or whatever for myself, and you, you're not, the focus, the camera focus is not on FP, they edited it in a way where it's all on Cole, and it's all on him, and you're seeing his reaction to it, and he has this, and I, I think it's really, um, it's kind of a joke in like the Riverdale fan base and maybe even the show, like later on, we're going to get a scene with um, Jughead crying in that phone booth. And I know that that scene specifically is like kind of a joke because he looks so silly. And in this moment too, he has that really downturned mouth and he like, he's not crying, but he's almost there and you can see it so much. Um, And 
on the surface that looks really silly, right? But what that really is, is him actually having, like, that's so genuine. When I cry, my mouth, like, when I'm really, like, crying, like, sobbing, my mouth is so downturned like that. Like, I have the same kind of, like, thing that happens with my mouth because I already have a downturned mouth. And so when I'm crying and I don't want to be crying and I don't want to show it and I'm trying to hold it back and my, like, chin is shaking, that's what my face does, too. And I was just thinking about that. I was like, he's really doing it. Like, this is really it. He's not just putting it on like he's feeling these things because that's a thing you can't control I could if I'm really trying to like not cry but I am going to cry I can't not have my face do that that's just what my face does and I just realized that this time I watched it and I really liked it I remember um I uh used to work with this girl uh, a million years ago and her and I had a similar conversation about crying for Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it is a raw human emotion and I think it is ugly and it is, mm-hmm. it does look silly because it's so yeah. uncomfortable and it's so primal that it yeah. sort of comes out of you like that. And I remember that um, <clears throat> it's, you know, having this conversation where she's like, I don't like when pretty actors cry. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? Because I'd never sort of given it much thought myself. And she's like, it's meant to be revolting and it's meant to be uncomfortable. And she's like, you've got these beautiful actors who are just like, oh, I'm so sad about something. Yeah, single tear dripping down my face. I mean, that I get in the right context. You know, I, I know, for example, my husband is not a crier. I have seen him cry twice. Once was when I moved over to the U.S. and left him behind in Australia for four years, and the second time was at our wedding. Oh. It's, he did. He had the single tear, or he had a single tear, and then a couple of seconds later, the other tear followed, you know. But yeah, he is somebody, as I think a lot of men are, who are taught at a young age to bottle them up. Yeah. And so when they are finally overcome, with that emotion, you know, you get this famous single tear. But I think in terms of acting and, you know, I'm not even talking gender specific, that's a whole nother conversation or, you know, I actually kind of don't even really care. When you cry, you cry. That is, that's the truth of the matter. And I think that I live for those moments where you see those actors really just give into it and just go with it and not care how they look. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely this moment. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, it just felt really genuine. I don't know. I agree. I agree completely. I really like that too. So if you don't have any more notes, Heidi, what I'd like to do is what we always do at the end of every episode and ask ourselves, what would Betty do? And I love, I've loved these recently because like what she would actually do are so crazy that we don't, (laughs) but last week we had a nice sensible one, you know, find your sister, kiss a boy. So what would Betty do this week? She would still kiss a boy. Um, (laughs) she did that again. Um, or and does then she hand would, hand going through. What? She would be so supportive of him and the stuff going through. 
Yes, she would. She would not. She would not believe that he committed any murder. <laughs> um, and she she would find her sister and you know work it out. She would just like Nancy Drew. Yeah, I really want that handbook still. <laughs> God, I'm gonna have to. It's uh, it's my birthday in um, in about six weeks. I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to request that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, somebody can pay seven bucks or however much it is and, and get it shipped to me. I just make my husband do it. Don't worry about it. Don't send me one. I've got- I'm going to do it. <laughs> I already told you this. I was like, I told you this a lot when we first talked about it. I got you. Thanks, girl. Well, I'll tell him to get me something else. I'll tell him to get me some more Riverdale clothing from Hot Topic because the stuff that they're coming out with, I like every time I see a Hot Topic now, I'm like, ah, Hot Topic. I know, like the little 12-year-old in me is very, very satisfied. But you got to understand, we didn't have Hot Topic in Australia, so I'm only now discovering it. And I just happen to be in my 30s. But there you go. So Betty this week would stand by her boyfriend, even if he was accused of murder, and she would work it out and find her sister. Yeah. Yeah. There are somewhat adequate rules to live by this week, I think. Yeah, not so bad. Exactly. (laughs) Well, on that note, we will see you all next week for another look back at season one of Riverdale. Bye. Bye.